0: They don't believe anything beyond that. God created man in his image and gave man a soul, a soul that is spiritual. So the human is not only just occupying a physical body, we're actually a soul that will exist forever following our creation. That soul resides in the body. And you know, one of the things, may you may have heard me say this before, that... Uh, the, science, the medical science field has been wondering for years, and there's been speculation over and over, but no proof about where memory is located in the brain. Well, they fail to recognize that there's more to the human than the brain, where the brain is the heart of man and the, and the intellect of man. The brain is nothing more than a mechanism for the soul to communicate with this physical environment that we're confined to at the present time. Memory is in the soul. Logic demands it. God has said, following death, we have memory. Following death, we're separated from this body, or at the point of death, we're separated, yet we still know everything that we knew while in the body. That requires the conclusion that memory is not in the body, but in the soul. It's not in the brain. Anyway, I speculate that those scientists are also the ones that believe in the myth of evolution. Evolution can't be true. Logic and reason demands that there is a supreme being that put all this together. In the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, as a matter of fact, says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. The invisible things, that is the spiritual realm and portion of existence, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. The earth was made, the physical environment was made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God tells us all we have to do to know that he exists is to look around us. The existence that we're in now in this physical realm demands that there be a supreme being that did all of this. The concept that this came from a very small portion in the big bang made all of the constellations and universes and even the solar system out of some little small something. And that from that uh, it just so happened that things were in the order that they're in and that uh, life began from a quagmire in a swamp in, you know, millions of years ago. It, it's just hard to believe that people who are a whole lot smarter than me can believe that. You know, I know I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but it's easy to see that God exists. And he is more powerful than anyone can imagine. The human mind cannot imagine the enormity of God and all his attributes. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, Genesis 1-1. This is where we find out about God. We can look around us and know that He exists, but who is He? What does He do? What how does He think? What are His attributes? He has told us in His Word. He gave us His Word so that we can know everything we need to know about Him. We will not know everything. We're not capable of knowing everything, in my opinion. At least I'm not. But we can know the attributes of God from what He's told us about Himself through this Word. He said, everything that here was given by inspiration and is profitable for knowledge and doctrine and reproof and correction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished all good works. He's told us about himself. And we go here to find out about him. And the very first thing he said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That requires, through logic, to say that there was something before the beginning. Not the beginning of everything, but the beginning of the physical realm that we exist in. The physical realm had a beginning and it will have an end. But that realm that exists beyond the physical realm, so far as we know, had no beginning and will have no end. It's called eternity. When uh, Moses was talking to God and God had told him, you are the man selected to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, he says, God, what am I going to say when when they ask me your name? God answered and said, I am that I am, tell them that I am sent thee. I am requires again through logic that he not only exists now, but he existed before and he will exist after. He has always been and always will be in that spiritual realm of eternity beyond the physical empirical realm of earth and what we know with what we're confined to. <coughs> In the book of Ephesians, we're told that the mystery from the beginning was hidden. Well, let me just read it. Oh, by the way, I'm very well aware that I'm limited on time here, so I'll I'll try to remember that. And to make all men... (coughs) See what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been, in, been hid in God and created to all things by Jesus Christ. Well, that tells us that this plan that he put together was devised before the world was created. Now, this Jesus Christ, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the book of John, first uh, chapter 1, verse 1 and following, in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god and not anything was made that was made except by him so we know and from other verses also that there is more to god than one being or one entity there was the son and we know that that is the christ Uh, he sent his son here Uh, for a specific reason. So the God is composed not only of God, the supreme being, or what we know as the Father now, but also his Son, Jesus Christ. So there's two elements to God, but yet there's a third. In the book of Genesis, verse 2 of the Bible says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God, so... There is a trinity of the Godhead. Well, Romans 1 said that we should know that from just looking around us. We wouldn't know that specifically about the trinity and the elements of it, but he's told us that. You know, when we're baptized, we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Aren't we? The trinity of God. So the Godhead and and they are so united that it's beyond our comprehension how united they will be you know he's told us that in the book of the uh, first corinthians and let me read that he's told us how he wants us to be as though we can be that same mind and same judgment and i beseech you brethren by the name of our lord jesus christ that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. The trinity of God is totally together, and he would like for us to be that totally together as well in how we think and how we act and the judgments that we have. So, before, in the beginning, there was an eternity that this Godhead existed in, and they continue to exist in that Godhead. It is ongoing As we speak, as we are here, it will be ongoing after the earth is gone. You know, Peter tells us that everything here will be burned up with fervent heat, melted, and be gone away. Yet eternity will continue to exist. And he tells us that heaven is there through that uh, logic, that there is a God and that there is an eternity. It's not a physical realm, but a spiritual realm. The attributes of God are just mind-boggling. God is omnipotent. In the book of, uh, well, in Genesis, uh, let's go there, Genesis chapter 17, and I won't read everything of all the verses I give you, but uh, because time doesn't permit that. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him I am the almighty God. You know one of the one of the things we know from what God has told us that everything he says is absolute truth. When he says I am the almighty God, almighty means almighty. Omnipotent. Able to do anything except what is not in his realm of honor. God cannot lie. In a, That means that he is not only omnipotent, he is immutable. Anything he says, if he makes a prediction, and he's made several of those in Scripture, that will come true. He is immutable. He can't tell a lie. He knows what's going to happen in the future. Part of his attribute also is... Omniscience, he knows everything. Everything and everything means everything. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen, happen five seconds from now. Omnipotent, or omniscience means he knows everything. There's nothing left out. He knows the innermost thoughts of every person here and every, every person in the entire world. The comparisons of God to us are so great in difference. The magnitude is beyond description. We can't compare our thoughts to his thoughts. Compare the point of a pen compared to the size of the earth. is still not a big enough comparison. He, he can do anything and he knows everything. The scientific world Is advancing as time goes on, advancing to the point of understanding the attributes of science, the fields of science, the categories of science, the categories of physics, uh, uh, the physical realm, chemistry, geology, biology, human biology, et cetera, et cetera, and on down, logic and reason, and uh, you know, the medical science. We're learning more and more as time goes on, but you know. God created all of that. He didn't have to have a textbook to understand it. He knew it from when the time he created it. It's, and again, the comparisons are so enormous in size that we can't comprehend just how much more he is than we are. He can do anything. He, can, he knows everything. And he's omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. All the time. He's in the darkest corners. He's in the brightest places in the physical world, and He's also in the spiritual world. We can't hide anything from God. He knows everything. He created everything. He's everywhere. Again, the comparison to what we live is so great it's almost even impossible to talk about how great God is. You know, When I think about His power, and His omnipresence, and His scientific uh, omniscience, I can't help but think, as Romans uh, 1 indicate, we can just look around us and see God. You know, I sit out on my deck, and look over, I see the Tennessee River, I see Lookout Mountain, and all the way down the chain. I see High Point and well beyond. I see Missionary Ridge, I see Lookout Mountain, and. Uh, Signal Mountain, Etna, Etna Mountain, Raccoon Mountain. I see all the trees, all the floral abundance. I see the flowers. I see the birds. I see the butterflies. That just didn't happen. God created all of that. He created everything that we know anything about. He is the creator of everything that we know. Now, of course, man has uh, has learn some of those things and are able to utilize some of those physical elements to build this building and other things and learning more about science and making our lives what we think is easier and it is. I'm glad we have electricity in our homes. I'm glad we have running water. I'm glad we have uh, the amenities of the world that we enjoy today. But all of those elements of science God created He knows about all of those things. He didn't, again, didn't have to read the book. He did it. God is magnificent. His knowledge is beyond our understanding. His presence is everywhere. And we worship Him because He is who He is. We would be nothing without Him. Everything we are or will be or hope to be is by the love of God. Bobby, let's let's sing how great they are. And I can't lead it. (laughs) You don't want me to lead it, but Bobby can. Thinking about the greatness of God and his magnitude and what we owe him and, and who he is.
1: 723. We'll sing the first two verses. We'll sing the chorus after the second verse. Seven two three. <coughs> oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds Thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe display and through the woods and forest glades i wonder and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze then sings my soul my Savior God
0: You don't think that was out of order. You know, God is not only great in all of His attributes, one of the things He's great in is love. God is not only the creator of the scientific realm and all that he is, but God is love. We read about that in 1 John 4, we read about it in verse 8 and verse 16. We not only read about God being love, God loves us. You know, when I talked to Roger Leonard on the phone, I called him two or three, well, I called him a number of times. But when he doesn't answer his phone, he has a message on his phone, and you know those messages. Uh, I'm not in, leave a message. Uh, I'll get back to you. Well, Roger's is, I'm not available to answer your call, please forgive me. I'm either in a Bible study or something and I'll call you, leave your name and number and I'll call you back as soon as I can. And remember, God loves you. That's his message when you call him and he's not available. And how true that is. God loves us. God so loved the world, that includes us, that he gave his only begotten son that who believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse itself tells us that God loves us beyond what we're capable of understanding. Again, the attributes of God are so beyond our thought. We're confined to this world and we're confined, at least I'm confined, to the limited mentality of being able to understand. But God understands everything. He understands you and he understands me. And even in our weaknesses, he loves us. He loves us dearly. And we're told that in a number of scriptures. Ephesians 2.4, 2 Thessalonians 2.16, 1 John, Revelation 1, verse 5, and other places. God loves us. Comparative analysis to, to what God loves us and how we know as love. And we know there are different kinds of love. But we're talking about the the realm of love, the phileo love and the uh, the love of fellowship, etc. Philadelphia, Philadelphia love. And so God loves us beyond description. Trying to compare our level of love to God's love, again, we're comparing a head of a pin to the size of the earth, and that's not even adequate to explain the difference in how, how He loves us. His magnitude is so beyond our understanding. We can understand love at several levels. You know, a mother loves her children, oh, so dearly. Husbands love their wives, oh, so dearly. Children love their parents, oh, so dearly. We love our pets, oh, so dearly. And it hurts when we lose them, any of those. And I've got to tell you this story. I promised Mary I wouldn't tell anything about her. But, uh, you know... We we have a grandson, and he's in school, and uh, he has a full-time aide. And that aide told Amy uh, that one day he told his uh, his aide said, "Oh, I would like to be in Nougat with my grandmama. I miss my grandmama." He calls calls Mary Gee Mama. He used to call her Mom. Now he calls her Gee Mama. And you know, when Mary heard that, she just melted. That's how God reacts when we obey him. Simple obedience to him. He just melts because we're so uh, responsive to what he wants us to do. And that, I know that's a lame comparison. And Mary loves John John just beyond description as well as all of our grandchildren. And when they react and let them know we, that, we love, that they love us, oh, how sweet that is how sweet it is to God when he when we react to his desire for us to obey him and do his will it's so sweet to him and so powerful you know god loves us so much that he created this world for us everything in it was for us he didn't create this world for himself he wanted to create well, you know, in the long ago before he created the world, there was an upheaval in, uh, in the heavenly realm and Lucifer was kicked out because he didn't obey God. And God made a decision. He wanted a race of being that would be in heaven with him eternally because they wanted to be there. You know, the angels originally, as far as we know now, again, we know we don't know everything, but the angels were created beings and placed in heaven. They didn't have a choice. Well, he wants a race that will be with him because they chose to be with him. And that's why we're here. He created this world for us to live in to prove that we want to be with him. And all the pleasures this world entails. But he wants us to love him more than we love the environment we're in now. He he gave us all of this because he loved us. You know, I love a lot of things. Anybody that knows me knows that I love classic cars. I mean, that's, you know, I do. I love homemade ice cream and fresh peaches and fresh strawberries on it. I love coconut pie. I've always said my favorite cake is a coconut pie. I love it. But, you know, God wants me to do that. He wants me to appreciate what he's created for me and you. But he don't want me to think more of those things than I think of him. He wants me to put him first. He wants you to put him first. And he's told us that. The greatest commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy strength and all thy might. That was in the Ten Commandments, but it's been replaced with the same commandments in the New Testament love the Lord thy God with all thy strength and all thy might God's gift to mankind not only included this world we live in and all the pleasures we enjoy in it he gave us more than that he gave us spiritual blessings blessings that we can, can truly truly enjoy spiritual blessings within his kingdom The blessings we can enjoy with fellowship with one another. Oh, it's uh, you know, I have an advantage. I can see every one of you. You can only see me. But to see you knowing that you love me and I love you is is a blessing that, uh, you know, the world don't understand. They just don't understand it. But God does. That's why he created the, the body of Christ the kingdom, the church, that we can love one another and help one another to please Him, help one another to live a life so that we can be with Him in eternity. That love of His translated into grace. We're saved by grace through faith. Grace is the gift from His love to us when we obey His will. You know, he said that the uh, the greatest love was that the greatest love is if one uh, man gives his life for his brother. There's no greater love than that. God gave his son, and his son accepted that. God the son accepted that responsibility and died for us on that cross. And it's uh, not us as a big group. We all... Went to him in baptism and uh, it was just one big thing that he did. No, no, no. It was that, but it was individuals. Every individual went to him. We were buried into his death while he was hanging on that cross. And he knows every one of us individually. Not as a big group that did it all at the same time, but individually. God loves us. Loves us so much he gave his only begotten son loves us so much he developed the kingdom or the church while we're here on this earth so that we can love one another we can encourage one another to do what is right and what's righteous so that we can live with him in eternity God loves us greatly for us to accept that grace we don't accept it through physical works and goodness on our part The faith that saves us is not our faith. The faith that saved us was the faith of Jesus. The faith that he had saved us because the faith he had, knowledge that he had, he went to the cross and died for us. Now we have to have faith to accept that grace, but we don't save ourselves, see? Christ saves us through his death. God saves us through our obedience to him. God the Son said, and let me read this because um, this is so powerful. Anything that the Bible says is absolute truth, and and we know that. And if you've got a red-letter edition, you know what Christ spoke when he was here on the earth, or maybe some blue-letter editions have that same thing. But in the book of John chapter 12 starting in verse 47 if any man hear my words and believe not I judge him not for I came not to judge the world but to save the world He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself but the Father which sent me. He gave me a a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So Jesus spoke, and we have to hear what he said. His words will judge us in the last day. So we have to hear what he had to say. He told us that. Jesus also said, God the Son said, in John chapter 8, verse 24, If ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. We have to believe that he is who he said he was. So we had to hear what he said. We have to believe what he said. He also said, Christ also said in Luke 13 3, Unless ye repent, ye shall always likewise perish. So we have to hear his word. We have to believe what he said. We have to repent of that previous life where we didn't know Christ. And he also said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. If you will confess me before I will con <clears throat> before men, I will confess you before my Father. If you confess me not before men, I will confess you not before my Father. So we have to confess that He is who you know that He is who He said He is. When uh, Philip met the the Ethiopian in his chariot and preached unto him Jesus, uh, the Ethiopian said, "What doth hinder me to be baptized?" He said, "If thou believest, thou mayest." We have to believe. He heard the word. He believed it. He obviously repented thinking, I didn't know this. I need to obey this now. And they both went down into the water and Philip baptized the eunuch. In Matthew, the 28th chapter. And again, this is where we know that uh, there is a trinity of the Godhead. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Baptizing them through the authority of God. So, the spiritual blessings that God has given us are many. But the great spiritual blessing is eternal life. Only in His Son. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. So if all spiritual blessings are in Christ, how do we get into Christ? For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The only way to obtain those spiritual blessings is in Christ. The only way you can get into Christ is fulfilling the last of the commandments of obedience to become a child of God. That is, get into Christ. So we hear, we believe, we repent, we confess, and we're baptized into Christ. And we know through Romans chapter 6 and other places, we're baptized into his death. We know that, that the occurrence happens, we're forgiven of sins. We know that at that time we're added to the kingdom. When we know at that time our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven. If you're subject to any of the needs of the graces of God, that is, his blessings, If you're not a member of the church, those are the things you have to do to become a member of the church, that is, to receive the physical or the spiritual blessings. If you are a member of his body already and you don't need any uh, public repentance, then you can take care of that privately. But if you have a need for public confession and public uh, prayer, come forward as we stand and sing